I'm Brian Clapp, VP of Content and Engaged Learning for WorkInSports.com, and this is the Work in Sports Podcast. After a few decades living in cities, I now live out in the country a bit. I have four acres of land, the grass is green, I have woods and a stream for my kids to play in. It can be a bubble. We can tune out the world, the hate, the racism, the unrest, the divisiveness, should we choose. But we can't. I can't. We all play a role, and we can't just opt out. Silence is being complicit. I know you didn't come here for this discussion. There are other reasons you are here, and we will get to them. But I want all the people in our audience, our return listeners, our subscribers, those who have gotten to know me over time to know that I support and love them. I have cried over and over again watching the videos that have become all too common in our society. It isn't just George Floyd or Eric Garner or Philando Castile. It's the multitude of other horrific examples of police brutality against black Americans that have happened without cameras rolling. There are systemic issues that allow for heavily armed white men to enter a state building in Michigan, protesting the fact they have to wear a mask while carrying automatic weapons, and they are treated civilly and with calm respect, while an unarmed, handcuffed black man gets murdered on the street over an alleged counterfeit $20 bill. How does this happen? This is a problem. We can't ignore it. And as a middle-aged white man, I can't sit here in my bubble pretending this environment is fair and just. It is not. I have many friends who are honorable, respectful, caring police officers who got into police work to make a positive difference, and they do day in and day out. We can't make sweeping generalizations against all police. That does not help. That's the exact same problem that got us here. Racial profiling is generalizing a group of people. Doing the same to all police isn't the proper answer either. But we can be angry. We should be angry. And the best thing we can do from this perspective is to listen, to love, and to vote. That's how we change things. Vote. I hope everyone out there with anger and disgust and fear and dismay and distrust will take this energy to the polls in November. Everyone needs to vote. That is your power. And everyone needs to show a little bit more love and a little bit more capacity to listen. Justice for George? Hell yeah, justice for George. But in concert with that, let's change the system to be more equitable and fair. It's past the time for those of us on the outside to just empathize. We need to understand. We need to help the change become reality. And that starts by talking about it. So even if you didn't come here for that, you got it. One last thing. As someone who has worked in the media for a long time, you will see the worst, worst, worst images because they get eyeballs. I guarantee you 90% of the protests across the country are peaceful, but all you'll see is burning buildings or, on the flip side, people hugging police officers. Those are the edges of the story. Look for the middle. Okay, Um, there's no easy transition here, so I'm just going to go, right? We just got to make it happen. Um, 
Coming up on Wednesday is a conversation I'm very excited about. I interviewed Josh Walker, who's the president of Sports Innovation Lab, which is a market research company who has clients across every single sports league and team and across the globe. And I interviewed him about how we recover as a sports industry from our global pandemic. And yeah, right. A reminder in all this that not only are we in a, not only are we facing all these problems and protests and, and racial injustice, but hey, there's a global pandemic still going on too. Yay for 2020. Anyway, the interview with Josh is really insightful. He and his team at Sports Innovation Lab are changing the way we see, feel, and experience sports. And that's like our future. Like he really encapsulates our future. And I think it just makes so much sense. Teams are catching on to this new way of understanding fan needs. So uh, you're going to be way into this conversation because I know I was. As for today's topic, here is James from Nevada. Hey, Brian. When coronavirus first became a thing, you talked about revenue, the importance of revenue generating roles in the near, the importance being super important in the near future, those type of roles. Is that still the case? Is that what you see being the leader in the sports industry over the short term and the longer term, or have things changed in your mind? Okay, James, I'm glad you brought this up because we have to continually evolve in this conversation about Corona. We're in completely new ground, new territory, and we need to be agile in our analysis. So I want to be agile in my analysis as well. So way back in March, I think it was the 13th, I believe, my kids were sent home from school and the school said, we're out until March 30th. We'll talk to you then, right? Two weeks and we're expecting things to kind of get back to normal with a new plan, right? That's what we were looking at and thinking this was what was going to happen. In that time, the NBA season was suspended, then the Masters, MLS, NHL, MLB, more and more and more, no need to rehash. We all lived it. But uh, I mean, it looked at the time like we were talking like a couple months to flatten the curve, get us on track, a couple weeks, couple months, whatever, and we have fans back in the seats by summer or fall. And I looked at it and said, this is pretty obvious. There's going to be a couple months of lost revenue the teams are going to want to make up. They're going to start to be able to project towards their future. They're going to have a plan in place, and they're going to say, we need revenue creators, right? So that was where the demand was going to be. Even as the seasons were suspended, you know, you start to see plans in place to return, including fans, and salespeople could start driving revenue for a fall return to action. So we thought there'd be hiring in June and July to prepare for August, September, October. Well, the plans that are happening, I mean, the logic was sound and the situation was really unpredictable, though. Um, we may return come fall or even come summer, as the EPL, Bundesliga, and other leagues have started to announce. But it's going to be without fans. And no fans means no ticket sales, no premium sales, no new sponsorship deals, no need for ticket promotions, or many marketing activations, no game day staff, no security, no concessions. We can still be going. I can still keep going with other roles that are not in demand if there's no fans. So there's a lot we'll be missing. So how do we adjust? First off, just to be overarching, these jobs will come back. They aren't going away. They're just dramatically impacted in the short term, meaning another 12 to 18 months, because in the, in, the, in the scope of your career, this is short term. It really is. But it's painful. And if you're in sales, you can't just sit around waiting. You need to be out there making it rain. Am I, am I right? So let's talk about what is out there and how everyone can start to adjust What's the trend for the next year and people can how they can pivot slightly in their current expertise to fit in with where there will be demand. So, number one, if you are in sales and I've said this a thousand times, 
50% of the jobs in the sports industry are in sales. So I'm talking to a majority of you right now who have either sales in your future or is sales, you know, your sales dependent right now. Um, you love sales. You want this to be your career. Well, you need to pivot, but not too far. Look for companies in sports that are product or media driven, apparel companies, online companies, media companies. So for example, when I look at our site, I see a, I see major media companies connected to sports that are looking for ad salespeople. I see digital properties looking for digital salespeople. I see esports companies looking for di more digital salespeople. On the product side, I see apparel companies and sports drink brands and others that are still looking for salespeople. So if your expertise is in ticket sales or your experience at least is in ticket sales, you need to pivot a little bit. There are companies that are hiring sales jobs, just not quite as many ticket sales jobs as usual. Okay, there's still companies that are hiring for ticket sales, which is interesting, um, just not as many. But I'm, I'm telling you, media companies and others are are, are really hiring um, and, and ad sales and digital and esports. I mean, sales are happening product. Okay, so be ready to pivot and look at this as an opportunity to add to your sales repertoire. If you have experience selling tickets and sponsorships, and then you add experience selling products or media, you will be unstoppable and your career will have new potential heights. As I've said before, every person that's been my ultimate boss in my career um, has some background in sales, just about almost everybody who's been my manager or boss, high level, has had a sales background. There's, these are very high reaching roles because they understand revenue and business development. So if you can expand your base understanding of, I don't just sell tickets, I also know how to do product or I know how to do media or I know how to do digital ad sales. Now you're understanding multiple businesses, how they work and how it all functions together to generate revenue that's gonna make you powerful for the future. And just to be clear, I always make this 50% argument that 50% of the jobs in sports are in sales. Uh, if you go on our site right now, workinsports.com, there are 10,550 active sports jobs on our site right now. That's still a lot of jobs, people. But 5,214 of them have the word sales somewhere in the job description. So sales jobs are still in demand, okay? Number two, revenue optimization roles, business analysts. I just finished interviewing Sean Halbmeyer, who is the director of advanced advertising for the PJ Tour. And his role is, I'm, I'm simplifying this a ton, but his role is to maximize the reach and expense of their advertising efforts, making sure they get the most bang for their buck. That's revenue optimization, making the most out of the revenue they spent, out of the expenses, Right. As Maylin Vu, my talent acquisition all-star with the Cleveland Indians and the most popular podcast guest of all time said, any role that can help us generate more revenue or spend our revenue more effectively is in demand. Okay, so uh, that was pre-COVID. Think of that now. Like, if you can spend money more effectively and spend, I mean, save, save money, essentially, um, that's really important right now getting a huge bang for each buck. If you have a hankering for data and analytics, consider a pivot from player side analytics to business side analytics. Revenue operation roles are in demand. Again, on our site, workinsports.com, there are over a thousand jobs available right now in our tech data category. 
and they are tech slash data. I should have said that more correctly. And they are from some of the biggest employers in sports. I was just scanning through it and I was like, oh my God, these are all the power players that are hiring people for tech roles or data roles. Uh, so check those out. Uh, number three, creative jobs are on the rise and will continue to be. Roles in social media, communication, and media content are growing at this time and again will continue to. Two major revenue streams in sports for teams. They make their revenue, and of course, I'm oversimplifying things. I get it. I can't get into all the nuances of it. But if you look at the business as its two largest revenue streams for teams are ticket sales, which includes sponsorships, group sales, premium sales, all that kind of stuff, okay, and media deals, right? So ticket sales and all that other stuff is on hold. 50% of their revenue stream is on hold. Teams still have long-term media deals, so the money is coming in from that way, even though if they're not broadcasting sports. So now let's flip to the other side. Of the, so the teams are making money on only part of their their uh, scenarios right now, their revenue models, okay, revenue streams. On the other side of that equation, though, these big media brands that are paying out their deal to the teams that are paying for the broadcast rights, they don't have any games to broadcast. Sure, there's some nuance here, and there's insurance, and there's other things that happen. But in general terms, media providers need content. They need creative ideas and production and social media buzz, and they need eyeballs on them. Okay, Because what they have to do is they have to pivot. So ESPN, they buy the media rights to the MLS. Okay, They pay the MLS this amazing amount of money. And then each game, they sell all of the advertising space in there. And they sell all the sponsorships. And they sell all the naming rights and all those things. That's how they recoup what they spent to buy the product. And more than recoup, that's how they make money. They go above and beyond. Well, if they don't have a game to broadcast, they need to make that up. And they need to make that up with creative content. They need to have other things filling those spots and generating money. These jobs are in demand and will continue to be. Content is king. It's like that saying in a, in a blind world, the one-eyed man is king. It's a great saying if I could actually say it. It's like, let me try it over again. It's like that saying, in a blind world, the one-eyed man. I did it again. One more time. We're going to take three. It's like that saying, in a blind world, the one-eyed man is king. See, if I slow down, I could do it. Okay. I'm not editing that out, by the way. That's staying in there. Uh, anyway, the point is, in a world without sports action, the creative content creator is king. Now, that was really tough to say, too. Jeez, creative content creator is king. Oh, yeah, yeah, what a day. Of course, there are other roles that will be in demand and others that will struggle to develop for a while, right? I haven't, this isn't completely comprehensive. These are just some ideas to get your brain kickstarted. You need to analyze where you are right now, what the industry need for that role is, and where you want to be in the future. Is there a way to pivot yourself for the short term, stay employed, gain a new skill that fits in with your overarching skill set and where you want to be, and really be ready to be the best once the time comes? I think there is. I think all of you can strategize and make these situations become a reality. You just have to be open and creative right now to say, how can I tweak my deliverability, like what I can bring to the marketplace? How can I tweak that to fit in with what it's in demand and have that new skill that I learned enhance me for a brighter future? That's the approach you need to have. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Justice for George and equality for everyone. That's the big message here. 
Tune in for my interview with Josh Walker from Sports Innovation Lab on Wednesday. And please remember to subscribe to the show, share with friends, and post a review wherever you listen. Thank you, everyone. It's always good to have all of you listening and being able to speak for the sports industry and for society at large. Having an audience and doing something with it is important. Even if you don't always like what I have to say, I'm, I'm thankful that you listen. All right. Stay safe, everyone. <laughs>